Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. I've got a two-for-one deal today on Women Who Sarcast. It's two, two guests in one, sort of. Please welcome <laughs> Rachel and Leah with Hashtag History Podcast. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us on. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. Appreciate it. All oh, the yeah. way from... Uh, We're from, yeah, Sacramento, California. Nice. I'm in Bay Area, too. So That's what I thought. I remember you saying at one point that you're from the great state of California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about both of your backgrounds as far as your interests, you know, high school jobs, why you came up with hashtag history. High school jobs. Wow. <laughs> taking it back. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm the Leah of the Rachel and Leah of hashtag history um, background. Um, we didn't meet until after high school, actually. Um, I went to a public school. Rachel mm-hmm. was actually homeschooled. Yeah. Um, we both grew up dancing and we met in a dance studio. Wow. Yeah. Like a, a adult dance studio, which was super cool that to have the opportunity to still get to dance you know we still we love ballet and jazz and tap and all of that and it's a studio where um oh I would say 50 percent of the studio is over the age of 25 so yeah, yeah we met in our early 20s dancing you know it, it was it's the studio where you've accepted that you're not going to have a career in dancing anymore <laughs> but you still love to dance it's more uh, of an yeah. exercise thing than anything yeah exercise community you mm-hmm. know yeah yeah so that's how we met seven or eight years ago now I think yeah First of all, my high school job, I had a lot of jobs uh, in the service industry. I started working when I was 15 at PETA-Q. I don't even know what that is. I was going to say, yeah, that's like a sandwich shop, right? Yeah, it's like PETA's. Okay. Yeah. And then bagels. So then you moved on to bagels and then graduated up until- Moving up to coffee on my college campus. (laughs) I worked in a a coffee shop. So now she made it to the elite level. Yeah, elite level. Uh (laughs) And I, when I was in college, I studied recreation, parks, and tourism. I uh, am now an event planner actually at the university I went to. Um, So event planning, um, entertainment, that type of stuff is also- right up my wheelhouse mm-hmm. nice. and and then for me I've just always been a history nerd in high school I loved history went to junior college wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do and my first session of junior college I had the most amazing history professor and you know it's just for your like general ed history course that everyone has to take yeah mm-hmm. uh, but it was like two minutes into that class I'm like oh my god I am going to study history for <laughs> sure so uh went on to study history and then for work, I've kind of always worked in the like legal field, and mm-hmm. I am working now for a healthcare organization here in California. I'm a paralegal there. Great. Yeah, and so the podcast has been a great avenue for for me being a history nerd. That's what my major was uh, to get to like delve into that. And then I know Leah, even though you didn't necessarily study history, uh, you're a history nerd too. Yeah, history has always been, it's particularly European history, and that's where we differ. But you're, um, uh, yeah, I can I can see <laughs> can see it happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've always loved European and world history a lot. Um, much like her, I had a uh, entry level history class in college that just really piqued my interest and and got me really into history as mm-hmm. an adult. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, history, we called it social studies where I went to mm-hmm. school. And mm-hmm. I didn't like it at all. I grew up <laughs> in a town that has, well, it was it's Ticonderoga, New York. So it has a Fort Ticonderoga. So it's got a lot of history with the Green Mountain Boys and yeah. Benedict Arnold and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I was yeah. surrounded by it. By history. And we even had a that book specific to Ticonderoga history that we had to read in addition yeah. to the you know history book. Yeah, and I, I feel, think that's similar to us. Yeah, yeah, I feel like most places are like that. Like our education, you know, is general when you're growing up, general history, but then you also have this whole you dive into like the California Gold Rush, yeah. and you know and, we have, and I think a lot of people from Texas they learn about the Alamo. Yeah, right. I think everywhere yeah. is kind of like that. But I didn't really like it because you had to memorize dates, and I'm sure it yeah. totally had to do with my teacher because he was like 80 when I was in high school. Well, yes. he seems like he was 80, but <laughs> I would say that's a huge piece of history. So you have to have a good teacher because history can be totally boring. And I, I totally get that. The thing that I think about history, and this is something that a way that we kind of market our podcast is a podcast for history lovers and history haters, because we do believe that there's something in history that everyone can love. Not everyone has to love the industrial revolution because that's boring as hell, right? Like I'm not interested in the industrial revolution, but am I interested in like the assassination of Abraham Lincoln or Mm. the sinking of the Titanic? You know, if you just find these little pieces and elements of history that you find interesting, you like history, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's kind of our message with our podcast is that anyone can love history and there's something in history for everyone to love. Right. Well, hopefully you can change my mind about that today. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then another really cool thing we do for the podcast, um, kind of like drunk history-esque is mm. we always have a cocktail that we tie into our episodes in some way it's related to the topic we're we're diving into that week there are occasionally some um sloppy <laughs> sloppier episodes, <laughs> episodes. Yeah. but we do have um speaking of the sinking of the titanic that was a recent episode we did and so we put together a cocktail that the liquid was like a blue color mm-hmm. and then we had a huge ice cube in it that kind of represented the iceberg that the ship eventually hit nice so yeah, it's fun to get to try out new cocktails every week and talk about and drink history. as you, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like a drunken hashtag history. Exactly. Yeah. So what are you drinking right now, Leah? Water. Water. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I kind of put you in that corner, didn't I? No, <laughs> not at all. We try to make it a rule not to drink before noon. We try. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's noon somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you're in California. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. So the old saying, you know, history repeats itself. Why can't we learn from history and stop mm. repeating the same shit over and over again? Yeah. Do you have any theories to that? Well, first of all, I think 2020 kind of brought that into focus for us personally, mm-hmm. especially with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um It was kind of strange how a lot of the topics we picked in 2020 were like things that were happening now or happening again. A a lot of them, a lot of the topics we covered last year in 2020 were about, you know, civil rights. Mm -hmm. And it's just um, discouraging to see 
the same messages, right, that are being repeated now are the same ones that were being repeated, you know, in the in the 1960s during the height of the civil rights movement. Um, and just seeing like how little we have progressed. History absolutely repeats itself. Like even speaking of 2020 again, like the pandemic, we went through a pandemic a hundred years ago with the 1918 Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. And similarly, you know, we have so many people now in 2020 that are like anti-masks wearing, uh, that was the same thing in 1918 too. There was a whole group in San Francisco that banded together this like anti-mask campaign. And so I guess in like one sense, it's almost encouraging that like, okay, we haven't gotten worse than we used to be, <laughs> but it's discouraging that like, why haven't we gotten better? You know? <laughs> so yeah, history absolutely does repeat itself and to answer the question about why we don't learn from it I don't know is it just yeah. human nature and I think um human nature it lends itself to being kind of selfish sometimes mm-hmm. so I think that's why a lot of these things continue to happen over and over again is is it's people are being selfish yeah mm-hmm. and it's just um, and taught generation after generation right yeah Yeah. right and I do think that's another important piece of why history is so important is because you know I've seen just so much misinformation in the last year where it's like uh, if you knew like a tiny tiny bit about history you would know that that's false or you know you would have some context for what you're saying Mm -hmm. well and I think the internet is a huge social media obviously is a huge problem with all that Mm mm-hmm it's yeah. kind of like, you know, yeah. you have a headache and your leg hurts. So you look up WebMD and oh my God, yeah. you're going to have to you amputate have my whole body kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. And it's like, right. So no, it's, we actually it's definitely both- misinformation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We both made the decision this last year to basically get off of Facebook just because we found that that was the social media platform that was spouting the most misinformation or just the and place- negativity. Yes. Uh, you know, Instagram, most people are posting pictures of their cats or, you know, <laughs> selfies, whereas Facebook, like you get those page long misinformation mm-hmm. stories right. that are just total lies or totally, yeah. totally infactual and negative. And yeah, yeah. that was hard to mm-hmm. see constantly last year. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I'm I mean, off we, of Facebook as well. And are you? Yeah. yeah. I just realized, yeah, it was, I, I, we love social media. Um, we're addicted to it, but also, I mean, it's helped grow the podcast so much, you know, and it's helped us meet these amazing history nerds and build up this history community. But it, it took me a little while to self-reflect and figure out, you know, like as I'm scrolling through social medias, which is the one I'm getting so angry every time after I look on that one site, what is it? And, um, it took me a little while to figure out like Instagram's not too bad, uh, it's Facebook is so, so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram's kind of the passive aggressive. Twitter is like ridiculous, like off the chart. If you want your blood pressure (laughs) to go up, go to Twitter for two seconds and you'll be right where you need to be. And then Facebook was just, you know, it it was, it's like high school in my opinion. Yeah. That is actually something I was going to say is maybe that is almost the more frustrating piece of Facebook is it's like the people that you've known for like 20 years or it's that family member. Yeah. And it's just seeing those people spouting misinformation is so frustrating. 
Yeah. I think it's also important too, to, there are so many negatives to social media, but there are, there are definitely positives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we have built this community around our podcast and, and history podcasters that we never ever would have. Like we have what I would consider friends in New York and Germany and like all over Minnesota, Maryland. Yeah. And we only met those people because of Instagram. So we're definitely grateful to the community that you can build on Instagram. Right. I think just like everything, there's positives and negatives to, to it. And it's kind of our society's job to try to dig, dig up and get rid of those negative aspects of it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and that's where, like, Mark Zuckerberg needs to come in and take care of shit. But right. he that's decided not to. So I took care of shit myself and decided to exit. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And sometimes you just have to do that. Remove yourself from the situation. So what is your favorite moment of all time in history? Mine, this is very morbid, uh, but this is, like, my life's work is the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. I'm completely obsessed with it and have been since I was probably middle school, high school. I'm just so obsessed with every facet of that story and how it happened and Lincoln's influence and the way that his assassination potentially changed history. Um, It's actually a topic we'll probably never cover on the podcast just because it would end up turning into like a six parter episode (laughs) because I just, I truly, I'm so obsessed with it. So that that's an easy answer for me. Yeah. Mine's a little less straightforward. Um, I would say world war Mm two overall, not a specific Mm -hmm. point in time during world war two, but overall, there's something about World War II that like connects to my heartstrings yeah. and that gets me very emotionally. Like past life kind of stuff? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in past lives, but <laughs> um, but no, there's something that definitely pulls in my heartstrings about World War II. Yeah, I find World War II really fascinating too. I think, uh, so Lincoln's assassination is obviously my like all-time most fascinated topic, but in the ones that we cover on the podcast, uh, they all have very similar themes. They're kind of like that darker, more morbid history. They cover, uh, I believe I shared earlier, we cover, you know, controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. That's kind of our jam. So things that we've covered are like the Chappaquiddick incident. We've talked about Jack the Ripper. We've Mm. talked about Jonestown massacre, Salem witch trials, those, those types of themes. And the Haley Comet. Yes, we did. We talked about the Heaven's Gate cult uh, just recently. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I remember that being on the news actually when it when it happened. Yeah. So and just seeing the news cameras in the outside of the house and they actually showed mm-hmm. the inside. It was just kind of weird. They yeah. did show the inside? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the pictures people were positioned really all the same and Yeah, mm-hmm. we saw some of the pictures of the yeah. people with the sheets over them. It was really Yeah. It's so weird. We're weirdly morbidly obsessed with that type of thing. (laughs) Like, it's like, I both hate it and I'm totally interested in it. Like a train wreck, you can't, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's kind of the true crime genre in general is like, you love to consume it, but you still have to kind of squint your eyes and look through your fingers, (laughs) you know? It's still, I don't love, I don't love the content. Um, And so that's kind of what our podcast, you know, it's a history podcast, but we also both are big true crime fans so we do kind of weave those two things uh in and out of each other a lot Mm, right 
Do you feel that there's a lot, that there's too much true crime podcasting out there? Yes. Yeah. There's just an overload of true crime podcasts in particular. And I know when we first were talking about starting a podcast, we were talking about doing a true crime one. And it, it just, we we were like, there's too much out there. There's too much content to consume. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't know that we would be successful in that. So right. I'm personally very glad we went with history Me too. instead. Me too. I think that we're able to find that good blend of, you know, we are a history podcast, but because we talk about kind of, you know, darker, more morbid history, we do get to tickle our true crime. What do I, what's the word I want? True crime interest uh, here and there with yeah. a history podcast. Yeah. So you kind of weave, like you said, put right. them together. Yeah, I kind of grew up with my dad loving history. He was a news guy, so he was on the radio, and he was in the Korean War, but stationed in Italy. He didn't wow. do combat. It was He was, like, in the office doing who knows uh-huh. what. So he was definitely intrigued by history, so I was kind of influenced by that. Mm-hmm. Um, were you guys, like, on a debate team in high school at all or college or... No. no, no, nothing like that. Uh, but I, like I shared, I have been a history nerd forever. And so that was something like all throughout my collegiate career, every single class I took was a history class. So I, I, I mean, not a debate team, but I did a lot, a lot of studying, a lot of research, a lot of writing about history, obviously. This is just a side tangent, funny story that while I was in college, I was taking an an astronomy class. And I remember the professor was one of our assignments to do this debate. And basically we were just debating about, uh, I think we were debating about Apollo 11, the one that placed, you know, man on the moon. And it wasn't necessary. It wasn't a debate about like, did it happen or did it not happen? I I don't remember exactly. We were just kind of going to be discussing some of the facts, but we get up there. My team is like all prepared. We're just talking about the Apollo missions. And then the other team basically debunks like man never actually landed on the moon. The flag isn't really (laughs) waving or, you know, this whole thing. And the, we're like, hey, that wasn't the assignment. And the professor ended up siding with them and saying they had a more valid argument. Yeah. yeah, so that was like kind of my only debate experience and it was lame. And <laughs> so. you're like, I'm not doing this ever again. Yeah, I didn't want to do it in the first place and now I'm officially done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you guys were going to do a trivia night and it had to be canceled. So let's do our own hashtag history trivia. Oh, God. Right we're now. very nervous we're very nervous I, i'm as much as i love history it's you were saying how you don't like having to memorize dates and names right. and that's the hard part that's the part i'm not so good at so. <laughs> <laughs> well let's see how well you do with these questions okay i'm gonna lean on you heavily oh god okay so the first question is for two thousand points what condiment was sold as a medicine in the 1830s? Um, ketchup. Correct. Ding, ding. Do you know why I know that right away, Kathy? Is because that was one of our questions for our trivia night. Oh, was <laughs> Yes. Well, yes. I have a feeling you might have a couple other ones of these on here. There's only like six that I'm going to ask you, so. Oh, only six. Oh, so it's easy. It's easy. So ketchup was sold in the 1830s as medicine. And it was sold as a cure for an upset stomach by an Ohio physician named John Cook. Did you get these same questions probably from the same internet? 
website uh, again? <laughs> potentially but but this is fun for us because it makes us sound smarter so. <laughs> but to be honest the ketchup one doesn't like surprise me very much because tomatoes can definitely run through you quickly so if it's like a cure for an upset stomach but but then again it's really acidic so I would think it would like upset your stomach all I know is it cleans you out quickly so (laughs) so it wasn't popularized as a condiment until the late 19th century what did they just take spoonfuls of ketchup probably just drank it <laughs> Didn't we all do that? Kind of like Pepto Bismol. We all loved ketchup. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> all right, number two. What president died after eating too many cherries along with drinking milk at a Fourth of July party in 1850? Rachel's the. Hold on. It's not. Person. Is it William Henry Harrison? No. Um. Hold on. I know nothing about U.S. presidents, unfortunately. <laughs> Only Australian presidents. Yeah, only the Australian ones. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me the slightest hint? Like, uh, I don't know. His a, initials a, are ZT. Yes. Uh, Zachary Taylor. Right. Woo! Okay. <laughs> I only needed all of the clues, but thank you. <laughs> so he died on July 9th from gastroenteritis. From Maybe you should have some ketchup for that. I, where was the ketchup? Yeah, where was the Maybe ketchup? Maybe it was a condiment Oops. by then and it didn't matter. <laughs> uh, I guess the acid in the cherries along with the milk is believed to have caused this. That's crazy. So I'm never eating cherries again. Or cherry <laughs> milkshakes? Ooh, <laughs> bad combo. <laughs> yeah. uh, but was the milk pasteurized? That's my question. Sure, yeah. Maybe it was literally just the milk. That was a problem. Right. Okay, you guys have to know this one. Oh, God. What was the Bloody Mary before it became the Bloody Mary? Like tomato juice? Like the the spicy tomato juice? You know, like the drink. What was it? Was it it was called something? It was called two things before it got to Bloody Mary. I definitely don't know. No. V8 juice? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... It was actually called a bucket of blood. Oh, God. <laughs> and after mm. bucket of blood, it transitioned to red snapper. That's better. And then finally settled on Bloody Mary. I like Bloody Mary. That's, yeah, I'm going to go with Bloody Mary, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. That is fascinating. All right. Question number four. What are knocker uppers? Knocker uppers. It's funny because I recently heard this on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Um, is it a medication? No. Is it a type of clothing? No. Then I have no idea. So they're human alarm clocks. Okay. So people would literally knock on people's window to wake Stop. them up in time for work. Stop. And this was up until the 1970s. Oh, my God. Can I get one of those? They would use a long stick, soft hammers, or like a pea shooter to reach the client's window to wake them up. Oh, my God. It's got to be a hard job. Yeah. <laughs> I would think so, because if you're a deep sleeper, I mean, oh, yeah. a tap like on the window. yelling at you. Yeah. That, that is a, that's one of those uh, 
what is it like an ungrateful position yeah. where like you get paid to do it hopefully however your boss yells at you every day <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly okay number five and you should definitely know this one I know I keep okay, saying this, but you should definitely know this. I'm pretty sure. Okay, Morgan Robertson wrote the book Futility 14 years before what infamous passenger ship sank. Um, hold on, let me do some math. Are we talking? Was it the Titanic? It and was. If so, then we're talking 1898. So he wrote the book. It was a novella or, called Futility. Oh, and it it, um, it had very similar things in the book that happened to the Titan. Yeah. Yes. And yes. the ship was so called was like, did Titan. Uh huh. And it uh, in the book it said hitting hitting an iceberg in the northern Atlantic. Mm-hmm. What's even weirder is that the Titanic and the fictional Titan did not have enough lifeboats for thousands of passengers on board. Right. Yeah, no, that's super, super eerie. We just recently did coverage of the Titanic and we did a lot of deep dives into all the conspiracies about it, you know, that Mm. perhaps it was pre-planned all the way down to this crazy theory that JP Morgan was behind the sinking of the Titanic. Yeah, because he had like foes on the, he was supposed to be on the ship. He ended up not getting on the Titanic, but he had foes like business rivals on the ship. And so he was in on the whole thing it's it's so fascinating that story because they received we you know in our research upwards of seven uh warnings about the icebergs up ahead and just continue to sail on they had Hmm. lost their binoculars which is outrageous (laughs) they lost their binoculars so i'm not really sure how they're navigating this ship um you know they're warning of lifeboats it's just the whole thing all the way around was a tragedy bound to happen mm-hmm. it sounds like a planned attack of some yeah sort. i mean there's there's some potential evidence for that yeah i wonder what leonardo thinks about that <laughs> <laughs> kate winslet she could have fit on the on the door we all know yeah we all know the i never watched Kate. the movie so i don't know oh, man number six and this is interesting because i did not know that you guys well, I'm going to give it away if I say it. So I'll, <laughs> I'll say that after. So during the okay. Great Depression, these contests were a way of giving financially unstable married couples a roof over their head and food to eat. What were the contests called? Um, Was it the locker? Uh, I'm not sure. And if my answer's incorrect, I'm just revealing how awfully morbid I am. But I do know that uh, around that same time period, uh, several states, including California, were very big on eugenics. And people would present like how cute their baby was if their baby had like all the right traits uh, and they could win money off of that. Is that? So that's no, another... that's not it at all. <laughs> Sorry, I just shared some other really creepy history with you then. <laughs> I am not sure. So they're called dance marathons. Oh, like on Gilmore Girls. So these human endurance contests served as a way of giving financially unstable married couples a roof over their head and food to eat for a few days. The dance partners would take turns sleeping while the other propped them up and continued dancing with them. Oh, my God. 
and you guys are dancers so you know that term can be used loosely (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure how well we would do in a competition you wouldn't do so well in a dance marathon i'm not sure about that (laughs) well i guess if you could slow dance through the whole thing yeah, yeah, that works. Thank you for that. That was super fun. I feel okay. We got 50%. Like 50% yeah. <laughs> that was much That's better than I thought. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Was, thank you. We got an F plus. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if you ever listened to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, but the contestants or the people that call in for these trivia or whatever they do with the guests mm-hmm. that are there, it's like you get your choice of a person you want on your voicemail. So. I can be the voice of your voicemail if you want, because you won. I love it. Like what? Like you can, like a celebrity? Yeah. Like a celebrity can be like your voicemail message or whatever. That's pretty cool. I mean, and these are like comedians that you've never heard of. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you listen to, wait, wait, don't tell me all the time. Then you've heard of them. I don't. Is it? No, I've never. It's an NPR. Oh, NPR. Okay. Yeah. So how do you want to be remembered in the in podcast history? Um, that is a great and very heavy question. I think something something that's so important to both of us is uh, the accuracy of the information that we provide. So as much as I like to be an entertaining, fun podcast where, you know, we have jokes back and forward and we drink cocktails and we rate, you know, those cocktails, the thing that's number one priority to me is um, – accurate information I would hate to be a podcast that is spreading misinformation right so that's something that I take the most pride in when people review the podcast and say like wow you can tell they do a lot of research um, and they spend a lot of time digging into this topic that I think is how I would want to be remembered it's just in the podcasting world a very well researched thorough podcast yeah. And I'm probably the other side of the coin where I'm like, I just want to, I, we do this for fun. Yes. Yeah. We love, we love doing it. We're not making money on it, you know? Yeah. So I just want to make sure it's fun, not only for us, but for our listeners too. Yeah. I do. That's another thing that I do take as a compliment when people review us and say like, oh my God, I could totally see myself hanging out with you guys. You know, like we've looked at reviews before where in the same review, they say like, this was super well-researched. Also, you ladies are super funny and I totally hang out with you. And we're like, I know we're like, which one is a bigger woman? I'm not sure. (laughs) You know. So was there an episode that it just blew you away or do you have a favorite episode? One that you'll never forget. Whether it's a guest oh, or just the two of you. That's really hard. Yeah. Let me think for a moment. Um, you know, one that I never, ever thought we would cover because it's so outside of my interest was we talked about Joe Lewis, who was mm-hmm. um, a heavyweight uh, champion. Boxing. Boxing, yes. And we, I would have never covered that just because I have zero interest in boxing. Sorry to my husband, who's a fanatic. And so that's why we did cover it was he's also a history nerd. But he kept telling me, like, you really would love this topic, I swear. I'm like, nah. I, yeah, I kept shutting him down, like, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but I learned so much. We ended up, you know, I did some research, and I'm like, oh, my God, he was right. I'm fascinated by this topic. It was during uh, World War II, and Joe Lewis, he was a heavyweight boxer, 
And basically, I mean, it's the same themes that we were just talking about that we continue to see throughout history. He's um, a black athlete and struggled to even get into the ring. He had a very difficult time because whites did not want to see him, you know, as a successful athlete. And he competed against a German. And this is, again, at the height of World War II. And so even the most hardened of racists here in America wanted to see Joe Lewis win because they felt it was like American versus Nazi. Hmm. Uh, But then, you know, other communities saw it as black man versus white man. And his story ends up being pretty sad. He, you know, he was a very successful athlete he went on to serve in the army during world war ii and when he returned he basically was hounded with back taxes by the irs and spent the rest of his life like working service industry jobs Mm. to pay back taxes for donations he had made to like war efforts Mm. so that was an episode that um I don't know. I, I, you know, when you ask like, what's maybe one of the most interesting ones, I feel like that one really stands out for me because it was something I never thought we would cover. And then I ended up loving it and learning so much. Mm. Yeah. I was just going back through all of our episodes and I can't choose one. (laughs) I'm trying to look here. Season four was a really good um, season for me. This was last year in 2020. And it was a lot of like civil rights kind of stuff. So like we did one on the American Indian boarding schools, which was really interesting mm-hmm. and something I didn't know a lot about. Mm-hmm. Um, we also did, oh, the Cheryl Araujo. Oh yeah, we talked about, uh, last year we talked about Cheryl Araujo, who was a woman in Massachusetts that was gang raped in a bar. And uh, basically everyone made it out like it was her fault, you know, so we got to talk, open up that conversation of, you know, just the, the double standards that women face. Cause you know, everyone was looking at her like, uh, you know, what was she wearing mm. and she's a mom. Why was she at a bar when her kids were at home, you know? And, and wasn't that the, the first like televised? Yeah, it was the first televised rape trial ever and they made a huge mistake they said you know we're gonna hide her face because she she's a rape victim so we're hiding her face but they didn't bleep out her name and so and it was a very small town and so once people heard her name on the news everyone knew exactly who it was and she was ostracized essentially yeah yeah for for trying to seek justice for being gang raped right yeah terrible so if you could have one guest on your podcast, mm. who would it be? Alive or dead? Dead or alive? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Um, I have two answers. One of them is Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> one of them's actually not Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, unfortunately dead uh, Princess Diana. Mm, and yeah. I would completely fangirl. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, I think Anita Hill, we're actually recovering her shortly on our podcast. Mm-hmm. I would love to interview either of those ladies. That would be amazing. Yeah. Those are two good ones. I think I would second Princess Di. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What about you? I don't know if you ever watched The Voice. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch the season with Michelle... Shamuel. Why but is she? Michelle's really cool would... because she came in second. The winner was actually a country singer. Go figure. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Blake always wins. Blake um, always wins. Yeah. But she's just really cool because she actually, that was her second time 
to try out. Mm. I think mm. she went the first time and didn't make it through. But she's just very talented as a musician yeah. and yeah. just has a lot of... She just seems very down to earth. And yeah. mm-hmm. I've tried to contact her many times. So Michelle, if you're listening... <laughs> Michelle, have your people listening. call my people. <laughs> That's super inspiring. Someone that tries again after they fall. Yeah, yeah. That's really hard to do. It would be interesting to see what would have happened if she did win, mm-hmm. because she doesn't seem the type that would go for a big label and yeah change herself creatively. Because yeah. that's basically, in my opinion, what you have to do if you want to be on a a big label. Is they're gonna right mold you and manipulate you. Mm-hmm. you to yeah. how they want you yeah yep what what they think the audience wants to see yeah yeah and then i don't know i think as far as comedians i would love to have uh melissa villasenor she's on snl oh yes i'm so bad with these here we go (laughs) i remember i'm the history nerd i can tell you anything you want to know about lincoln but i can't tell you anything (laughs) about pop culture (laughs) or live people people that are alive yeah alive people thank you that's exactly it you just kind of want to pick their brains you know i know definitely you definitely know that their brains are wired differently than the rest of ours yeah that's how i've been feeling and you'll be able leah will be able to speak to this more than i can but that's how I feel about the people that have like created these musicals on TikTok based on like, you know, like Ratatouille, they came up with the musical, just like sharing videos on TikTok. Uh, And then Abigail Barlow just uh, came up with Bridgerton, the musical. When I, and so I've been like listening to some of her so fascinating, the way that these people's minds work, because she is so talented like she mm. watched a show and said I could turn that into a musical and the I haven't watched the show yet but like the few songs I've listened to are brilliant and to think she just did this like in her own spare time yeah, and it's really cool I'm I'm on TikTok I, I follow people on TikTok um <laughs> <laughs> and she is really cool because she live streams her writing process oh wow her and her writing partner mm. they sit there and they just put their video up and they they they're just sitting there like they're playing on the piano and talking about talking through how they want to do the song so you get to see their writing process that is so much talent yeah Yeah. that is pretty cool well anything else you guys want to talk about i mean you had some ideas and we condensed an episode that we did to share with you um because we wanted to tell you something crazy that we learned while studying history so one of the most fascinating topics that we've covered on the podcast was a man named john harvey kellogg who surprise surprise was the guy that created kellogg's cereal have you ever heard any of his backstory kathy Mm -mm. all i know is uh, tony the tiger that's it (laughs) (laughs) well i'm sorry to disappoint there are no tony the tigers in this episode his story is insane so we're gonna breeze through it condensed version because cliff note version yes the cliff note version so john harvey kellogg he was pretty well known during his lifetime that was like the mid to late 1800s uh, because he was the director of the Battle Creek Sanitarium in Michigan, which was super well known at that time for its world-renowned nutrition and surgical skills. He actually, Kellogg treated people like uh, President William Howard Taft. He treated Amelia Earhart, Henry Ford, just to name a few of them. Hmm. Yeah, but personally, um, there's a lot to unpack. So that was his professional, how he was professional. Um, 
but personally, in 1879, just days before he turned 27, he married a woman named Ervilla Eaton. He was um, extremely religious and based on these beliefs, he and his wife never consummated their marriage, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> in fact, <laughs> for the entirety of their marriage, they would sleep in separate bedrooms. Uh, this theme is going to follow him throughout his life, but we'll circle back to that in a second. So... <laughs> In 1877, when Kellogg began attempting to develop a, a cereal, she, she spelled it wrong on our notes. Sorry. <laughs> it was an S-E-R-I-A-L. No, not that bad. It really was just like a fat figure. I spelled cereal without the first E. <laughs> um, in the 19th century, breakfast meals were usually things like deep fried potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> or um, greasy bacon or ham. Mm-hmm. Uh, that all sounds really great. Yeah, you had no, breakfast I, potatoes. That sounds great to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if eaten on a daily basis, it's no surprise that consumers during this time period were complaining that their breakfast foods gave them diarrhea or some constipation. Of and, yeah. 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 And also, oftentimes, it led to heartburn and flatulence. So clearly, there was a market for something better and healthier. Kellogg began to develop a health alternative to greasy, starchy breakfast foods that would be made of grain and wouldn't get stuck in your colon. Between him and his brother, Will, they developed what would later become known as Kellogg's cornflakes. Oh, so the cornflakes came first before the Rice Krispies? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Now, here's the, the crazy bit. Yes. While the cornflake cereal was not originally created with the intent of reducing sexual urges, Kellogg did consider this as a bonus of his product. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Kellogg had a strong belief that diet could alter one's sexual behavior. He believed that people that ate more exciting or irritable foods were more likely to commit, and I quote, this is a quote from his book, the most dangerous of all sexual abuses, a.k.a masturbation oh well yeah. <laughs> yeah he that is the devil yeah right the devil <laughs> he published a book in which he listed all the ways you could tell that someone was regularly engaging in the dangerous act of masturbation mm. uh telltale signs were something like you know sleeplessness untrustworthiness if you had round shoulders <laughs> <laughs> or someone that just had a general disgust for simple or bland foods. He said that people that like spices and condiments or, you know, pies and cakes, pretty much what we love, uh, are definitely masturbating. Wow. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Um, there are a lot of other really horrendous things about him uh, to ensure children would not masturbate. He would actually go so far as to apply electric shock treatment or even surgically remove male and female genitalia oh, from wow. his patients. Yeah. In addition to all of these, he was a known eugenicist, uh, who, you, which we mentioned re just recently. Yeah. Um, and he believed strongly in the concept of racial thoroughbreds and eradicating so society of what he called defectives. Mm. He, yeah, he was awful. <laughs> <laughs> but what we will forever remember Dr. Kellogg for is, of course, his contributions to Kellogg's most famous cereal, the cornflake and the dark and disturbing anti-masturbatory history behind it yes <laughs> so my question is when did frosted yeah. cornflakes come in um that is a great question i don't have the exact year but i know that his brother will so people are eating these cornflakes 
uh, his brother Will was like, you know, people would like these more if they had sugar on them. Which is like goes against all of his beliefs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a part of the divide between these two brothers was because John Harvey Kellogg was like, uh, no, I want to make money. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like if you eat sugar, you're obviously masturbating. So <laughs> sugar's not a thing. And so his brother actually became more successful with the cereal because he added elements like sugar to them. Right. Made uh, it more. Yeah. Powerful. Palatable. Yeah, something sure. that we would actually want to eat yeah not yeah. cardboard yeah <laughs> like grape nuts my dad loved grape nuts Ugh. you know my my dad loved grape nuts too and I always thought that was weird until one time uh I told him like I want to try these things and so he's like okay yeah, I'll prepare it for you I'll show you how I make my grape nuts he pours grape nuts in the in the bowl he scoops out almost a cup of sugar and dumps it on top of the cereal and adds milk. And I was like, Oh, now I get it. (laughs) You're right. This is delicious. (laughs) He used to eat them out of, this is back in the nineties in a, uh, one of the big like tubs that butter would come in, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, they still come in them, but like just a big tub. He used to dump cereal and sugar and milk in those things. That's how much of it he would eat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm hoping he doesn't continue that. Hopefully, no. Now he just now he just drinks a lot of Mountain Dew. So you know, well, it's a trade off. You know, yeah, it's a sugar trade off. I'm a sugarholic as well. So yeah, although not to that extent, but I do have my share. I'm a chipaholic, (laughs) a chip and salsa holic. Every time I watch the the British Bake Off. that's what it's called, right? The Great British Bake Off. The Great Off. British Bake Off. Thank you. Uh, every time, you know, normally for the most part, they're making like desserts and sweets, but every once in a while they make a pastry that has like meat in it yeah. or something. I'm like, oh my God, that looks so good. Those yeah. are always the ones that get me versus the cakes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good show. I love that show. I, you know what I love about that show is they're just so they're nice. They're so nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not like Americans assholes. that are super competitive <laughs> assholes. Right. Yeah. And the hosts they are just, funny. They, Yes. yes. Like Niels and I, um, who's the bald Sandy. guy? Oh, the bald guy is, uh, or Paul, Hall, is that his name? Paul Hollywood? Ha- well, that's the judge. You're not talking about the judge. Well, he's nice too, but. <laughs> he's. But oh, two... I can't remember. That's right. They just changed it to the bald guy. It used to be a, a lady named mm-hmm. Sandy. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the other guy's name is. But yeah, they're all just so nice. The the judges, the hosts, the contestants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, America needs to learn a lot from people outside of America. Yeah. One thing I would say just to give us, like, Americans a little. Because we're young. No. I mean, yeah, I guess our country country is young versus (laughs) others. No, I was going to give us, like, a little, uh, here's one thing we're doing right. I've traveled to Europe and found that, you know, typically here in America, like, if you... uh, you're walking down the street. You're the only person walking down the street and someone passes by you. You give each other, like, even if you don't know them, you give each other like a little wave, like, Hey, or some acknowledgement. Um, no, I've heard like, this is a thing across the country. A lot of people do that here in America, but it's not like that in Europe. Like you don't wave to a stranger. And I know Hmm. when I was in Europe several times we were in crowded places and I kept like getting bumped on the shoulder and no one acknowledged it. And I know here would be like, Oh, sorry. Oh, my bad. Oh, whoops you know and it was like nothing there Hmm. and i've heard that that's pretty consistent throughout Hmm. europe versus here that americans are just like generally a little friendlier with like strangers 
Right. Interesting. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Unless you're in New York City. I don't think they yeah. do. That's also York true. <laughs> you're right about that. Yes. <laughs> we, we've been to New York together once and yeah, it was definitely interesting walking across the street and bumping into people and right. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, awesome. I'm so glad you came on the show. Thank you so much for having us. This was really fun. And yeah. I had a great time doing the trivia. We'll have to do that again soon. Yeah. Yes. And we will reschedule our trivia night. Cool. Yeah, you saw my cat had a cone on his head. I had some pet emergency yeah. come up that we had to postpone. Yeah, he's doing but we'll okay. definitely get it rescheduled. Yeah, he's doing much better. Okay. He um, had a bladder blockage, which for Ooh. male cats is deadly. Yeah, that's not yeah. good for anybody, yeah. really. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find hashtag history podcast on social media and wherever you listen to independent podcasts. You can also find them at hashtag history slash pod dot com. Thank you so much yes. for being on the show. Thank, Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast, an independent podcast. We welcome and encourage your snarky comments. Contact us at womenwhosarcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at womenwhosarcast. Support us on Patreon and become part of our sarcastic community. Visit www.patreon.com backslash women who sarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbasiani. <laughs>